Welcome to the Grow Down Podcast. Conversations while following Jesus on the old road that leads to new life. I'm your host, Tim Herset. Thanks for listening. Sometimes in life, you have those moments where you say to yourself, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Or sometimes people say that to you. When I was 19 years old, I had one of those moments. I remember being really, really tired, having stayed up way too late the night before, editing some video while at the Free Lutheran Youth Convention in Estes Park, Colorado. After taking a mid-afternoon fresh air break, I was walking into the longhouse at the YMCA of the Rockies. And before my eyes adjusted from the bright sunshine outside to the dark shadows inside, I heard a voice. It was the voice of an elderly man, deep and strong, but gentle and caring. He said, Excuse me, young man, are you a herset? I said to him, "Uh, Yes, I am. He interjected quickly, Are you Alan's son? Are you 19 years old? Somewhat shocked and totally amazed, I said, Yes, I am. I went on to learn that this man was Vernon Russum. He was a farmer from North Dakota who had hired my dad during the summer when my dad was 19. Vernon went on to explain that I was built just like my father. I walked like him and I even talked like him. Now I don't remember exactly but Vernon may have also said the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. A few years later I dug up my dad's old coveralls from when he was a small engine mechanic. Sliding my legs into the pants and sticking my arms down the sleeves and zipping up the front, I realized that they were a perfect fit. Vernon was right. And I still wear those coveralls when I change the oil on my car. But now there's a hole in the left knee and I've gotten oil stains on the clothes underneath. But maybe I can fix that. The part of Vernon's comments that I've never quite believed was that he told me I sounded like my dad when I talked. That is, until I received a digitized tape cassette recording of a sermon my dad preached in the late 1980s. When I first listened to it, I laughed out loud to myself. The apple really doesn't fall far from the tree. I mentioned this recording in the first episode of this podcast. In the recent weeks, I've talked with a number of people who've asked if they could hear that recording of my father. So thanks to some good friends of my parents, Jim and Joan Thompson, they're the ones that found this cassette and they did the work to digitize it. Uh, I'm going to put it here on this podcast and I hope you enjoy listening to this sermon from Alan Herset from June 25th, 1989, at Stillwater Free Lutheran Church. Thanks for listening to the Grow Down Podcast, conversations while following Jesus on the old road which leads to new life. This is the day which the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. From Psalm 118, 24. It's really a joy for me to stand here today. I'm glad to share with you today. God has been so good. 
good to worship with you today. It's a, also a privilege to have Les and Anna Marie Hansen here, Joanne's parents from Ferndale, Washington. Also Joanne's sister, Jeanette Benson, and her two children, Marie and Andy. Jeanette's husband is in seminary back at Minneapolis. He has completed two years of book study, Bible study, and just finishing a year of intern. He has one year remaining of study back in book study back in Minneapolis at headquarters. Please pray for the Benson family as they continue to prepare for full-time ministry. Today I would build my thoughts on a foundation, building on a good foundation. I'll use that for a title. And I'd like to base a message from Colossians chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. If you have your Bible, you're invited to follow along. And when you find it, please stand here and we'll read that together. Colossians 2, verses 1 through 7, reading in honor of God's Word. Colossians 2, 1 through 7. The subtitle I have in my Bible is, You Are Built Up in Christ. Reading in Jesus' name. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have on your behalf. And for those who are at Laodicea, and for all those who have not personally seen my face, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love, and attaining to all the wealth, that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is, Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with persuasive argument. For even though I am present, absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him. Having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for your words. We pray that you would be with us as we worship your word and worship you this morning. Lord, we thank you for your word, the Bible. We thank you for the good foundation you have prepared for us over the years. Lord, you are with us day by day. You are with us today. Thank you, Lord, for all things, for you are so good. In your name we pray, amen. You may be seated. This passage of scripture was written by Paul. Now the early Colossians may have first heard the Christian message during Paul's Ephesian ministry. This was about AD 53 to 56. If he passed through Colossae on his way to Ephesus. Now this book follows the typical Pauline pattern in which a doctrinal section is followed by a section on how to act. How did the church get started here, here at Stillwater? Stillwater is precious to me. You people are all precious to me. And I thank you for your kindness. This has been a trying times lately. 
How does Stillwater continue to survive? You know, I started here at Stillwater when I was 10 years old, back in 65. I was born in Rapid City, South Dakota. My parents are Christian. They raised us children in a Lutheran environment. Dan Brian's father was our pastor back in Rapid City at Calvary Lutheran. Raymond Brian, I'm sure many of you have met him. And although I don't remember it clearly because I was quite young, I'm sure Daniel and I were in Sunday school together. And in 1965, our family moved from Rapid City to Kalispell. And later, I would rejoin with Dan Brian when he came down from Alaska. He came down here looking for work, I believe, in the winter of 77. Dan met Helen and, well, you know the rest of the story. They got married and all that. Okay. Now, as I reflect on my personal life, I think of the foundation the Lord has given me. How has God worked in other people's lives? How has God and Christ been alive in people of this congregation? How and when did Stillwater Church get started? Now, on the front entrance is painted 1911. To get a few answers to my questions, Nathan and I went up to the Manuel Nursing Home to visit Hanson and Dora's husband. I consider them a couple of pioneers from this church. There are many others. And I walked into the nursing home with Nathan. I sat down with them, Hanson and Dora, in their chairs. And Dora using the cane. And I could kind of relate to her because I got one of these accessories now. And I asked Hans, how did he get started here in Stillwater? He said, well, back in Christmas of 1921, that's the first time he came here. So the church was about 10 years old. He said, we had a service upstairs here. After the Christmas Eve service, they went downstairs. There's a wooden floor down in the old basement. A Christmas tree was set up, and they walked around holding hands, singing Christmas carols. And Hans said it was so precious, he said it was just like the old country. <laughs> Later, the wooden floor kind of rotted and broke up, so a concrete floor was poured. And stalls were built on the north side with three sides to house ten horse teams. They were out in that direction somewhere. That was the transportation back in those days. And Hans said, we have been coming to this church since 1921, the only church. And that spoke to me. I thought, my, oh, my, that's a long time. That really shows their commitment, their faithfulness. And an important attribute of a Christian is faithfulness to God. They've been members since 1921, the only church in the valley they have been committed to. The land and the building where this church sits was originally owned by a fellow by the name of Hornbeth. And Dora said they had little money back in those days. So Hans would saw firewood by hand with a crosscut saw, and then he'd split the wood to use the wood for wood heat. That was the only heat back then. And Mr. Hornfit didn't want the fire going all Saturday night. They were worried probably about fire danger. 
So hence he would come over here about 5 o'clock Sunday morning and start the fire to get the sanctuary warmed up for the people for the morning service. And Andorra said they didn't have much money, so they tried to use part of their labor as part of their tithe. They wanted to do what they could to help get things going here. They gave them themselves. And I thought, my, isn't that what Jesus really wants us today? He wants us as willing servants in his kingdom. A willingness spirit, a willingness in their hearts. They had things right between them and God, and they wanted to do what they could to serve the Lord in whatever way they could. Most of the early pastors were Norwegian. In the early days, they alternated between English and Norwegian every other Sunday. The whole service was in Norsk. How would it go over next Sunday if we announced the whole service would be in Norwegian singing and preaching? I think the parking lot would probably be empty. It would be tough. I know for me, anyway. Andorra asked, how old is Nathan? And Nathan, he shyly held up three fingers. And Andorra said, oh, I wish I had a cookie jar here. That's the only thing I don't have in this room. The walls were decorated with family pictures from the Hudson family. Also a picture of Stillwater Church was on one wall. Andorra says, she remembers Paul, her son, you know, Paul. Sharon, when he was only three, and we were planning to drive down to Hot Springs to visit another Norwegian family for Paul's fourth birthday, and we taught Paul to say, yeah, Peter, I am four years old, so they could kind of impress the Norwegians down in Hot Springs, and I also thought of early Christians, they had such a loving spirit, they loved their family, they loved the Lord. They loved many, many people, not just Norwegians. Now, when the first pioneers wanted to build a church, how did they get started? I'm sure they wanted to honor the Lord and construct a building to teach more about Jesus. The Bible has numerous passages commenting on foundations. An early Preston, that's a Norwegian for pastor, might have turned to a passage oh, say in Luke 6.46. Yeah, it's all marked out here, so it's quick. Yeah. You know, an early pastor, he might have been consulted. How do we get started with a church? How do we start a church out here in the country? And the pastor says, well, I don't know too much about building, but I know what the Bible says about building God's church. I'll read this. Luke 6, 46 through 49. And why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and acts upon them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid a foundation upon the rock. And when a flood rose, the torrent burst against that house and could not shake it because it had been well built. But the one who has heard and has not acted accordingly it's like a man who built a house upon the ground without any foundation. And the torrent burst upon it, and immediately it collapsed. And the ruin of, the, of that house was great. I'm sure the early Norwegian Christians here, they wanted a good foundation. Originally, the sanctuary was a lot smaller. It was from that corner right there on back. 
Everything was moved back. The altar, the, the rail, and the pulpit, and everything was in much smaller quarters. When we decided to go ahead with the building project, Dad and Bud Malpe were the primary contractors getting started with the foundation. Uh, Tutfits let us use their, uh, donated their front end loader to dig in the dirt out of here so that a basement could be poured. We could tie in the church well. Bud and Dad were checking the straightness and the squareness of that old foundation that the Norwegians had built. They were really amazed because it was square, maybe off an eighth of an inch. It was as true as could be. The early carpenters probably didn't have fancy transits or instruments. The basement was probably dug by horses and horse lifts or Fresnos by hand. They didn't have any big, heavy diesel equipment. The forms were boards sawn by hand, concrete mixed by hand, all hand work, hard work. And they had a real firmness. They wanted to get started, get in there and build a good church. They wanted to give what they had. We read in 1 Corinthians 3, 10, and 11. more about foundations according to the grace of God which has which was given to me as a wise master builder I laid a foundation and another is building upon it but let each, each man be careful how he builds upon it for no man can lay a foundation other than the one which is laid which is Jesus Christ We need a good foundation for our lives. I think back on the foundation in Christian education given here at Stillwater Church. Sunday school teachers like Lillian Chose, Les Chose's wife, she was stricken by arthritis. I remember sitting back in that area in the pews. Lillian Chose was my Sunday school teacher. And she would preach Jesus, she would teach Jesus, she loved Jesus. And uh, this cane here is kind of special to me. Randy Chose loaned it to me. This is Lillian Chose's old cane. And she used it to help support her, help keep her balanced and so on. And one of her favorite pictures was of Jesus knocking at the door. That painting is based on Revelation 3.20. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. waiting. He has entered the, so many hearts here over the years of people. Lots of people have knelt here at the altar. Jesus has been alive here. He continues to be alive. Her desire for us was to walk in the Lord. A couple Sundays ago we had the bulletin here with the little girl. Her head is bent and hands in prayer. A little verse here. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 18, 4. Children are really a precious gift from God. I'm glad we had a children's story today. 
pray that we will continue to educate our children in the ways of the Lord. I pray that Jesus would be special to everyone here. Soon VBS will start, Vacation Bible School. How many children will attend? I understand a school bus is available this year. Insurance and so on has been worked out. There are lots of children around here. I remember going to BBS over at West Valley School. We had a always good attendance, I think. And it was so important to build a good foundation for our children. I pray that as parents, we would continue to bring our children here to Sunday School, BBS, many opportunities. In the teen years, there's Luther League outings, Luther League trips. Those were so special to me. In August, we have our Big Sky Bible Camp coming up, our family Bible Camp. I hope that everybody can come to that. It's such a good opportunity to be in a special time in the Word. Now, over the years, many pastors have served here at Stillwater. Their primary goal was to share Jesus with us. Each pastor, each pastor would teach and preach in his own special way. I think back on the pastors I have been under since I was 10 years old. Carl Stendahl. It was Les Chose that invited Carl Stendahl out to our house out in Rogers Lake about 65 or 66. Yeah, 65. Then later, we attended church here. We've been coming pretty steady since then. It was also Pastor Carl Stendahl that led me to the Lord. I had a lot of head knowledge, but I didn't have a personal knowledge. I didn't have Jesus in my heart. And it was a special time when I was 13 that I was having some turmoil inside, some conflict. So I went to Pastor Stendahl into the study where Pastor Steve and Tracy are at now. And we're downstairs in the basement in his study, and he led me to the Lord. What a special moment. Now, as you know, Pastor Stendhal passed away a few weeks ago, and he's gone home to be with the Lord. Jerry Scramstead, it was under his pastoring that I was confirmed. There were four of us in our confirmation class. Marty and Eric Horn, Craig Malfi, and myself. All of those guys are special. Marty Horn, Craig Malfi, were in our wedding in 1980. They continue to be special. Yesterday, Marty Horn got married. Next weekend, next Saturday evening, we'll have the reception for Marty and Priscilla. I hope everybody can come to that. John Reese. Oh, what a musician. He could sit at the piano and play by ear. He'd write music. One of my favorite songs was Tears Our Language That God Understands. Oh, such solid meat. Pastor John Reese. Pastor Dale Melgren, when we started our home mission church, he has so deep insight into his scripture. Such a neat pastor. Um, when I was back in Bible school, 74 through 76, I roomed with Marty up on the third floor, room 625, and Pastor Dale was finishing his third year of seminary. 
So he roomed across the hall from us, from Marty and I, that first year, 74 and 75. And Dale would stay in the dorm throughout the week. Sometimes the guys would get a little rowdy, and, but he would put up with us. That was my first acquaintance with Pastor Dale. I never dreamed he would be our pastor eventually. Good man, good pastor. Now we have Jeff Swanson. Continue to pray for Jeff. He's been so special to our family. Continues to be. He's a good pastor. If you need a pastor, call on Jeff. He's more than willing to help you. We've had many evangelists here. Pastor John Strand, Herb Franz, Kenneth Penty, Mike Grant, many, many others, many other pastors. Pastor Bartholomew has spoke many times from this pulpit. Well, we've had a good Christian education over the years. may be encouraged having been knit together in love. Now my wife Joanne does a lot of knitting, mostly sweaters as you know, and many of you have seen her handiwork. Our boys happen to have her sweaters on today. And since I'm with her at home or in the car, I often see her busy fingers. And in the verse 2 it says, your hearts may be encouraged having been knit together in love. Now I don't know how to knit. I don't know if First thing about it, not a stitch, but I know it takes a lot of time and patience to knit something, to be knit together. And when it's all done, somehow it's beautiful. Because Joanne does it, but I know I couldn't do it. Now, our congregation is knit together in love. When we're knit together in love, we are a strong congregation. Now today, I don't mean to glorify Stillwater Church alone, there are many good churches here in the Flathead Valley, Montana and other states. And during this time of illness, I have seen God working in neat ways. At home, I have received several special letters. Um, other Christians have written to me. And maybe I could share a few thoughts with you about those letters. Um, in the June newsletter, I wrote a little article there, and Jim and Joan Thompson, they have written to me. They were a very important part of our congregation. They continue to be a part of our fellowship, our ministry. I feel they are, we are one big Christian family. And when Jim and Joan left, it's sort of like a, the sweater got tore a little. You know, it, it hurts to see them leave. But I know that they are continuing a good work back in Madison, Wisconsin. I know God will use Jim and Joan, Carl and Rena. God has been with them. Remember all the problems Joan had with her pregnancy and so on. God continued to work in that situation. Dan and Brenda Sire, they wrote a letter. I appreciate them very much. They also gave us a gift of money and it is really touching. I appreciate your gifts to us, your kindness. 
you're all so special and you have been really loving and kind. Back in Ferndale, there's a young gal named Nancy Whitmer. And she sent a short letter, I'll read through it, and I think it can apply to us in many ways. I'll just read it, dated 524-89. Dear Alan, our church has prayed for you in your illness. You know, I've been on the phone with Les and Anna Marie, and they, I asked them to pray for our family. And please bring it up in their congregation in Ferndale at the church there. Okay, our church has prayed for you in your illness, and I wanted to write and encourage you. I don't know your feelings right now, but I know of fear of the unknown, questions of why me? And the helpless feeling of no control can be overwhelming sometimes. I, too, have multiple sclerosis, and I empathize deeply with you. When I was just diagnosed about a year ago, now this Nancy Whitmer, she's a young mother, about 27, 28. She has two little boys. And she continues here. When I was diagnosed about a year ago, it felt like a bucket of ice water was poured on me. I knew little about it, but it sounded so awful. Suddenly, everyone knew something or someone with it, and I was barraged with advice. I was terribly worried about my family. What if I couldn't care for them? And everything brought me to the Lord. But I was not timid about it. One day when it came to a head, I couldn't see. Both eyes were affected. I cried and prayed for hours and told God just how angry I was that he wasn't healing me. I couldn't read the Bible and that frustrated me. But I think the Lord has a plan in that too. I prayed more than I ever have, even at night when I couldn't sleep. And the Lord heard me and answered me. When my vision returned, she was actually blind for a while, I found some nuggets in the Bible that had some special and new meaning, and I wanted to share some with you. Psalms is plumb full with them. And she's got them written out here. I'd be glad to share them with you anytime. Okay. I've been doing an awful lot of reading on other psalms lately. And then that's just a sample, I guess. But I believe that the verse, God is faithful and just to complete a good work. That he knows exactly what we need and will supply it. And we needn't fear that we'll be unable to perform everything that he has intended for us to do. Have faith, Alan. He loves you more than anyone else does. And he loves your family more than you. He will keep all of you. And I pray that through this, you all will feel stronger in your walk with Christ. With Christ's love to you and your family, Nancy Whitmer. And then there's all kinds of little doodling on the side here. And she wrote, in parentheses, artwork by Christopher. I believe Christopher is about four years old. Cute little boy. received a letter from Steve Harthen. He's a brother of Phil Harthen from Faith Church. He sent up a letter from Texas. He has that at MS for years. He shared what has been helpful for him. I won't share that letter today. It would take too much time. 
God continues to be with him and his needs. Okay, back to Colossians, verse 5. For even though I am absent in body, nevertheless I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good discipline and the stability of your faith in Christ. It warms my heart to see your faithfulness, your willingness, your lovingness, your firmness here at Stillwater. It's been an awful big help to Joanne and I, to our family. We need you. We love you. In closing, I'd like to, from the text here, I'd like to read verses 6 and 7 again. In verse 6, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, number one, so walk in him. Number two, having been firmly rooted, we need a good foundation to build upon. We need to be, three, built up in him. We need to be continue growing, continue under God's word, under his instruction, under the good preaching of the word. We need to be grounded in God's word. VBS, Sunday School, Luther League, so many opportunities that are available. All we need is to come here. We need to worship the Lord. We need personal devotions. Number five I found in here. Overflowing with gratitude. God is so good. I just really believe that. God is so good. He is so good to you. He's so good to me. We have nothing to complain about. Pastor Jeff mentioned Les Chose a few Sundays ago. He always, Les Chose mentioned these words in his prayer. I echo these words today. I am overflowing with gratitude because God saved me. God is so good. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. What a wonderful, wonderful promise. Accepting Jesus is a part. All we have to do is open that door and let him into our hearts. Let him take control of our lives. I'm just about through here. I'd like to read one more short letter. This is from Pastor Dale. Pastor Dale Milgren. Dated May 24th, 1989. Dear Alan, Joanne, and boys, I visited with Walt Inger yesterday. Walt Inger from Faith Church in Kalispell. He's in the hospital but feeling okay. He told me of your illness and the diagnosis, Alan. You all have been very much in my heart since. This morning in Hallisby's God's Word for Today, the devotional at the bottom of the page seemed especially for you. And then Pastor Dale photocopied this out of Ole Hallisby's book. And I'll read through this. I think it's important and pertinent, and I think we can relate to this. May 24th. Every branch that beareth fruit, he cleanseth it, that it may bear more fruit, John 15, 2. The life of Jesus was full of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, meekness. And it is his will that the world should benefit by this through his disciples. They are the branches which receive the life of Jesus in order to live this life out in the world. It is this which is to win the world. Therefore, the lives of the disciples are more important than their work. The disciples of Jesus live only to bear fruit for Jesus. As much fruit as possible 
And Jesus, who has been given all power in heaven and on earth, guides the history of our little lives and directs everything in our daily walk with the one end in view, that we may bear as much fruit as possible. That is what Jesus speaks of as cleansing or pruning the branches. The pruning is intended to make the branches as fruitful as possible. If we reflected upon this a little, many of the things that happen to us in life would be easier to bear. Many of the deepest problems of our lives would be solved in a simple and edifying way. At some time or other, we will meet with adversity or suffering so great that we cannot fathom or understand them at all. But if we can look upon these things as the gardener's wise and loving cleansing of the branches, we will be set free within, even though outwardly the adversity and the suffering will continue. If a vine is not pruned, there will be no fruit, only foliage. And if the Lord did not prune us, we would first become spiritually barren and thereafter die. We should thank the Lord that he does not hear all of our many prayers to be spared everything that is hard and heavy to bear. We do not live in order to have a good time, but to bear fruit unto the glory of the Lord. If we will remember this, we will not be so surprised when the gardener, capital gardener, Jesus, comes to us also with his pruning knife. Now back to Pastor Dale's thoughts here. I would also add the verses Isaiah 43, 1 through 3. If you'll read these and think about two truths found there, I know it will be a help. Quoting, I have redeemed thee, I have called thee by thy name, thou art mine. This is the Lord saying, you are my responsibility. You are my child. I will take care of you and yours. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. This is the Lord saying, Your security and peace do not depend on an absence of difficulty, but on the presence, but on my presence with you, on Jesus' presence with you. Take my hand. I'll always be here for you. Isn't that a wonderful promise? Jesus is always there for us. And then the final pastor's paragraph here. If the diagnosis proves to be accurate, this is before I was confirmed MSer. If the diagnosis proves to be accurate, we are thankful that the Lord has already made provision for that, either through healing or his strength for adversity. You are in our hearts and in our prayers. Love in Christ. Pastor Dale, Mary, Allison, Janelle, and Cassie. Yes, God is good. And we have so much to be thankful for, so much to be happy about. God has really blessed us. He has given us a good foundation to build upon here at church, here at Stillwater. He continues to need us. He needs our strength and support. We need to continue in Him, abiding in prayer day by day. And I thank and praise God for everything. God is so good. Let us pray. Let's close. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. 
We thank you for being with us over the years. We thank you for your faithfulness. Lord, you are always with us. Sometimes we can stray. Sometimes we can go astray in many, many ways. Lord, but you are always there. You are patiently waiting. You are always open to our needs. Thank you, Lord, for being such a wonderful and dear and loving Savior. Lord, you are precious to us. We pray that you would continue to be with our little flock here at Stillwater. Continue to be with us as we serve you. Be with Pastor Jeff and his family. We have such a special family here. Thank you, Lord, for your love and for your kindness. Lord, you are so good. Continue to be with us. Lord, we love you. In your name we pray. Amen.